For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Good evening, Bodhisattvas. Um, for those of you that I don't know, uh, my name is Gyoshin Laurel Ross. I don't know how to make uh, Zoom turn my name around. <laughs> just says Ross Laurel, and I guess it's going to be that way. Um, so I'm I'm one of the uh, priests in the ancient uh, dragon sangha. And uh, in fact, last week, uh, July 20th, marked the eighth anniversary of my ordination by Tigan. And uh, so that anniversary inspired me to do a little reflecting about practice. So this is more a practice talk than a, than a Dharma talk. Uh, and I, I hope that this this practice talk will be of special interest to some of the newer practitioners here at Ancient Dragon. Um, so I say here at Ancient Dragon, but um, to badly misquote Gertrude Stein when we're on Zoom, it, it often feels like there's no here, here. <laughs> um, and I, and I, I certainly don't mean to disparage uh, our online meetings or our in-person meetings at Ebenezer uh, Lutheran Church, quite the opposite. Uh, I cherish them because they're what we have now. Uh, and I hope we can continue to refine them. Um, you know, like everyone else in the world these past two and a half years, we've been struggling to adapt to the new realities um, and um, to adjust after we uh, gave up our Zendo space on Irving Park. And uh, so tonight we're on Zoom only because there was a scheduling conflict at our, our rented space. And, and we hope this will uh, not be a, a frequent occurrence. Uh, occurrence. Many people in our sangha are are making an effort to uh, find and uh, re- and expand our practice opportunities under these difficult and um, constantly changing circumstances. I'm so grateful for that. Deep bows to all those bodhisattvas. Recently, we had a meeting of our practice council. That's the that's a group of people that uh, includes priests and practice leaders. It's not the board of directors. The board of directors, some overlap, but the board of directors handles our business, like our, our budget and so forth. But the practice council um, works with Tigan uh, on practice-related questions, and and we discuss some important aspects of our Sotos and practice that we've had to defer or postpone or modify during this strange time. So tonight I want to talk about some of those things. And my hope is that this conversation uh, will um, whet 
our appetites for future practice opportunities because the world continues to change in unpredictable ways and our sangha you know continues to find ways to practice together so number one on my list of practice experience that um i have missed is sashin um for new people sashin um an intensive meditation retreat, usually lasting one day or three days, sometimes a week. And um, they're long days. They begin early in the morning and they continue uh, into the evening, nine o'clock or later. And uh, the word sashin literally means to gather the mind or to unite the mind. I think of it as the opposite of scatterbrain. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, some people like to do long retreats on their own. I think that's a wonderful practice. I like to take long walks myself, but Sashin is different. Um, we do Sashin as a group rather than, uh, individually. And, um, we give support and we get support to all the others. And that's, that's, that's vital for a strong session. Participating in this way is an important part of the experience. It, it takes a team of practitioners to make a, a strong session. And, you know, participants practice with an assigned job, such as ringing the bells or leading the chants or helping to prepare or serve the meals keeping the zendo clean and orderly, cleaning the bathroom, and so forth. Almost all of this is is done in silence. There are, of course, um, many hours of zazen uh, during the day, and there are private meetings with the teacher, and there are formal meals that are eaten uh, in silence with, with chanting. It's a it's a full immersion experience, and um, sometimes it's it's not enjoyable or serene at every moment. Um, sometimes we're faced with things like pain in our legs, or difficult thoughts uh, or feelings that emerge. That's definitely a way to deepen our practice. And we've been able to have a few uh, half-day and one-day sittings um, at our Ebenezer location um, with modifications. I believe that'll happen again this fall, and I recommend doing that. A few of us, though, are looking for a place that we can rent this winter to have a three-day residential session somewhere in our area. Very hopeful we can make that happen. So if this sounds interesting to you, please talk to Tigan or any of the priests or practice leaders uh, about participating uh, once we announce it. Don't assume it's not for you. Ask questions. Uh, Think about it. Uh, I'll just say a few of us had planned a camping session that was supposed to happen earlier this month and uh, everything was in place. I even wrote my talk for day two and planned the the routes for our nature walks. But then we had this sudden unexpected death in the family of one of our key leaders. So 
It's a bitter disappointment, but we had to cancel at the last minute. So I hope we'll do it next year. The second thing I've been missing, thinking about, um, is emphasis and close attention on our uh, Soto Zen forms. So if you don't know what I mean by forms, this um, refers to the very particular established ways we practice with our bodies, the way we do things when we're practicing together, like how we take off our shoes and put them neatly on the shelf, how we enter the zendo with a bow and a breath, and how we approach our cushion and bow and then turn and bow to the zendo and our posture and stillness and silence uh, when we're sitting in zazen and how we handle our chant books respectfully. There are forms for the service, when to bow, when to stand, forms for walking meditation, how to hold our hands uh, as we're as we're walking in, in Kinhin, forms for serving tea afterwards. And, you know, there's, of course, uh, more complicated forms for rituals like weddings and funerals and holidays. There used to be a summary of our Soto Zen forms on our website for reference, and it might still be there. I hope so, but I couldn't find it last night when I looked for it. Um, I'm not very good at website navigation, unfortunately. I do have a copy, uh, though, so if you're interested, I can, I can send it to you. But that's not the best way to learn the forms. The best way to learn the forms is to show up regularly for practice and ask questions and mostly watch how others are conducting themselves. So we show up and then we follow along. Everyone makes mistakes when they're learning the forms and experienced practitioners will help you follow the form. So um, why do we do it? (laughs) Following the forms, it makes Being in the Zendo harmonious, it makes it a seamless experience. The forms aren't precious in themselves, but following the forms creates an environment of of orderliness, a container for our practice. And um, I'll say people have different responses to the Zen forms. A lot of people balk, especially at first. And it's like, see them as arbitrary rules. And they are arbitrary in some ways. I mean, but if we're going to move in harmony with each other, we have to compromise and maybe give up some of our ego or personality for the common benefit. I mean, and some people dive right in and become almost fanatical about perfection, (laughs) And uh, they seem to think that mastering the forms might be the key to enlightenment and get irritated when people make mistakes. It's kind of a personality test, I think. But most people who stick around eventually find the forms helpful. And I think once you learn the forms, you don't have to think about them and you don't have to waste time in a lot of small decisions. It's kind of liberating. The first time I ever entered a Zendo, I was utterly bowled over 
um, but what it's that beauty, um, that care that everyone took with each action. And now I was one of those people I mentioned who got a little carried away at first. <laughs> I was learning the course. I, I wanted to be perfect. And I'll confess, I still get annoyed at some mistakes that some people make. Um, like at the end of a period of us at the so one strikes the bell twice if we're going to do keen And the correct form is to bow after the second bell. And many people bow after the first bell, and they don't wait to hear if there's going to be a second bell. It bugs me every time. But I think this is best seen as a good opportunity for me to laugh at myself. So just confession time here. So. Um, Most of these forms are old, um, but but some forms have to be created when um, you know sangha needs to solve a practical problem. So switching to Zoom created a practical problem. We we had to figure out what were our Zoom zazen forms, and we. So we have a few clear guidelines, like bowing when we enter the Zoom room and not facing the screen during Zazen. It's much more difficult just to show up and follow along, though, (laughs) because it's not easy to see what other people are doing. And it's certainly not easy for experienced people to help new people. So um, it's it's a work in progress. So. I'll just say it's my impression that some people who are practicing in our Zoom Zendo can get distracted because they're at home where there's a lot of distractions. So family, pets, doorbells, you know, sometimes see people eating and looking at their phone or attending to other things during a Dharma talk or a discussion. And, you know, sometimes people turn off their video and who knows what they're doing. <laughs> it's understandable because on Zoom, we don't have the same support that we have when we're in a quiet room together. So Zoom forms are a work in progress and all, all ideas are welcome. You know, we could talk more about this during the discussion later. The third thing that has changed in our practice um, It's cleaning the temple. (laughs) I really miss it, Um, which might sound odd. But, uh, you know, I said the first time I walked into a a meditation hall, I I was struck by its beauty. And I think part of that beauty came from it being immaculate, immaculate and spare. And um, so how does that happen? Well, for one thing, we all make cleaning part of our practice. So um, Gary Snyder, poet, scholar, longtime Zen practitioner, has supposedly (laughs) said that uh, practicing Zen uh, comes down to two things. One is meditation. 
And the second is sweeping the temple. So Snyder, world-class scholar, puts cleaning ahead of study, or at least the day he said that he did. So um, one of our uh, practice positions um, at Ancient Dragon is called work leader. Tygen appoints a student to be responsible for the maintenance of the temple and for, you know, not that it's not that person's job to clean the temple. It's that person's job to engage us all in this work. And uh, so in the past, for those of you um, who have joined us since we moved, uh, every Sunday after the Dharma talk, before tea, everyone was invited to participate in whatever work needed to be done. So cleaning the bathrooms, dusting, mopping the floor, cleaning the windows. And uh, every session has an afternoon work period that everyone participates in. And, and um, every spring, there's an all-day spring cleaning event. And, uh, and there are forms for this practice, of course. Uh, we begin by lighting incense and making vows. Um, we had an altar in the kitchen for that. And we recite a short chant, um, offering our effort for the benefit of all beings. So I'll just read that right now for you. It'll sound familiar, I think. Standing or walking, sitting or lying down during all our waking hours, let us practice the way with gratitude. How could we use our work only as a means to get somewhere along the road? May our efforts express awakening. May they benefit all beings. And this focuses our minds on uh, doing our cleaning tasks mindfully and uh, without hurrying and uh, with only functional speech, you know, no chit chat. And then at the end of the work period, the work leader rings a bell and everyone stops and puts away the tools and, and then goes and bows out to each other. And sometimes we haven't completely finished our task, but uh, cleaning is never really finished, is it? Anyway, I think this way of cleaning is really enjoyable. In fact, um, I've tried to do this at home, although a little less formally. I, I I usually set a timer here on my phone for 30 minutes or 45 minutes. And then I go out to my home altar and, uh, and I begin cleaning. Anyway, uh, there's a nice little book um, it's called A Monk's Guide to a Clean House and Mind. It's by uh, a Japanese Pure Land monk, uh, Shuke Matsumoto. I found it at the Chicago Public Library. So um, he, he writes in it, in Japan, cleaning is called soji, S-O-J-I, and valued as a way to cultivate our minds. In fact, soji is beyond mere cleaning. Buddhist monks in a monastery put more time into practicing soji than into practicing Zen meditation. <laughs> he goes on. A monk's day begins with cleaning. We sweep the temple grounds and gardens and polish the temple building. We don't do this because it's dirty or messy. 
We sweep dust to remove our worldly desires. We scrub dirt to free ourselves of attachment. So there's cleanliness, but there's also orderliness. And uh, decluttering has um, it's become a fad. But um, like most fads, there's, there's sort of something at the bottom of it that's why it's so compelling to so many people. You know, a lot of people feel overwhelmed by all their stuff. Uh, recently, Ruth Ozeki was here. She's an author. She's a teacher. She's a Soto Zen priest. She spoke at Ebenezer about her um, most recent novel called A Book of Form and Emptiness. And there's a character in this book um, who, in response to great grief, becomes a hoarder and, and really a complete slob. And it, it's a really painful picture of, of great suffering. And the novel explores many dimensions of this situation, psychological, spiritual, even environmental. I recommend the book. Now, I'm not a hoarder, but when I moved from my home uh, where I'd lived for more than 25 years, I did that a couple of years ago, I, I, I found I needed to... Um, divest myself of a tremendous amount of accumulated stuff, books, clothes, furniture, kitchen stuff, musical instruments, even Buddha figures. Why do I have so many salad bowls? I asked myself and pairs of scissors and rolls of tape and coffee mugs. I live alone. So, you know, I followed the current wisdom to pay attention to what you want to keep not what you're getting rid of and it was difficult but so much easier to keep my current smaller home cleaner because it's not crammed with so many things and what does this have to do with zen practice dogen zenji 13th century founder of soto zen wrote about orderliness in in his essay famous essay instructions to the cook. Uh, Here's from Dogen Zenji. Conscientiously wash out the rice container and the soup pot, along with any other utensils that were used. Put those things that naturally go in high places, go in a high place onto a high place, and those that would be most stable on a low place, onto a low place. Things that naturally belong on a high place, settle best on a high place, while those which belong on a low place find their greatest stability there. In other words, as my mother would say, a place for everything and everything in its place. Why would such an eminent Zen master as Ahe Dogen write about where to put the soup pot? It, it must be important. It's definitely important to pay attention. One of the most important things we can learn from Zen practice is to, is to pay attention. So, I'm not entirely sure about all of what drew me to Zen, but I know one thing that I like about it um, 
it's not about believing in something. It's about these actual practices. And uh, even though we study and we read and we tell stories and we talk about ideas, it doesn't really add up to much if we don't do the practices. So following the forms and cleaning are part of our practice. Zazen is at the heart of our practice, sort of a radical thing to do when you think about it. Um, sit down and shut up and see what happens. So um, I think I'll stop there and invite discussion uh, on any of this or anything else you would like to talk about. And I'm going to put my headphones on so I can hear you. I'll look funny. So you can uh, raise your hand uh, physically or use the uh, raise hand button and uh, I will spy you and call you uh, call on you and we'll have discussion. Amina. Thank you. Um, I enjoyed that and it was helpful. And um, though it's been almost two years since I started sitting again with Ancient Dragon on Zoom, I hadn't, I haven't sat in a actual temple in, in several years. And when I kind of came back, um, my body still remembered, you know, it's nice. Your body still remembers some of the forms or many of the forms. And um whatever I couldn't remember, you know, in the zoom situation, I just kind of could watch people. I think I've actually been meaning to ask um, to have a practice discussion with someone in at ancient dragon, because I've been floundering a little bit now that um, uh, practice is taking place at Ebenezer, but you know, I'm still online because I don't always know what to do during the service. Um, and so I should probably, this is just a good reminder to me to, um to request that but um yeah thank you unless anyone has anything to say about it now any any important forms or i i don't know anything to keep in mind as you know an online practitioner at this point but otherwise i'll I'll set something up with someone thank you so much for raising that it's hard uh without people like you helping us to understand the experience of someone who is trying to do it entirely on Zoom. Um, it was different when it wasn't hybrid because everyone was on Zoom and so we we're all in the same boat and helping each other, but now we have two different situations. And so I think that's an important question for us to understand and try to address. I'd love to hear uh, comments from people that have been thinking about the Zoom experience um, for Amina. And yes, we would love to, I think there would probably be um, any number of people that would be happy to talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. Does that, Do other people have uh, responses for Amina? Jerry? One of the things I've noticed, and one of them is an online thing, and actually one of them is an in-person thing, but online, you know, we have the, the sitting, and then there's a Dharma talk, and then there's chanting, and I noticed for, for the Dharma talk and chanting, 
That's also part of zazen. But I notice sometimes people online will get up and maybe they'll go to the kitchen and make a cup of coffee, you know, or maybe they'll open the door and they'll let their dog in or their pet in. Or And I think it's helpful if we remember that the Dharma talk and the discussion are all part of this. It's the same as zazen. And to, that if we could just stay sitting, you know, you may not have to take as formal a sitting position as you do during zazen itself, but to just stay still and comfortable where you are and focus on the Dharma talk and the discussion to sort of keep your concentration and your focus. I think that's really helpful. And one of the things I noticed about in-person, and I think it has to do with the entrance to our space at Ebenezer, because there's actually two ways to enter sort of the Zendo. You can go between the pillar and the windows and straight up, or you can go between the pillar and the screen that gives us our little closet area that we don't bow in to the Zendo. People just walk in and that they're taking a moment, I think, to bow in. It, it not only sort of gives us a moment of gratitude that we have an in-person place to practice, but it kind of sets our mind and gets our mind in a position to be in zazen. So should we have a greeter there reminding people? Maybe. Sometimes, you know, though, the greeter also does you know, the greeter is also the Kokio and he's ringing the horn, but it might be helpful if the greeter, yeah, does say, you know, remember to bow. And if we could try to remember to go between the pillar and the screen rather than that straight, uh, cut straight through to the where the back area is. And it's something that I could announce, you know, at announcement time for people to remember to do it. But I think it would be helpful to cultivate those two types of practices. David has, Ray has. David, David Ray. Um, thank you so much, Gyoshin, for that talk. And I'm appreciating the, the discussion. Um, you know, I saw, I guess, two months of practice at the Irving Park Temple before we all went inside. And then after that, I, I had, I guess, two years that was mostly online, this kind of um, environment. And on the one hand, it's it was incredibly sustaining for me to be able to practice every day. Um, I'm so grateful to Hogetsu for uh, being uh, sort of the only the only in-person practice space that I was experiencing during that time, sewing um sewing a rakusu together with, with Wade and also Alex. Um, I think that hybrid is, is maybe more challenging than, than, than we are sort of even realizing and acknowledging. I think the, the end user experience of somebody online is so different when it's a hybrid experience. And, uh, you know, Amina, I, I think it's, 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 it's not on you. I, I think that, I think we're working toward figuring out, you know, sort of, I mean, pe people want and need to be told uh, what to do in, in all the spaces. I think there's a hunger for forms. 
Um, and in the in the, in the Ebenezer space, uh, at one point, somebody turned to me and said, "Wait, are we are we doing Zendo forms in in this? Because that's an open question. Wait, what is this? Is is this our Zendo? Because you know, it's 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 not a Zen Zendo. It's a room in a in a Lutheran church. It's being used as a Zen Zendo, but it's anyway. Um, you know, more sort of signposting and 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 directing." Um, I'm so glad that that you gave this talk and and that we're you know that we're thinking about this out loud as as a sangha. So I guess mostly I'm just expressing a gratitude both for this this practice form and the opportunity to be of service in it. And we have we have a ways to go. We 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 really do. Um, I, I I do think that being a little more directed, like little little uh, a little sign on the wall saying bow here, you know, like Alice in Wonderland, <laughs> would not be a bad idea. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yozan. Uh, yes, uh, thank you, Yoshin. Um, always good to be reminded of these things. I don't have anything very important to say, just a couple of observations, um, some from personal experience, some, some not. Um, first, you know, when you were talking about, you raised the topic of Sashin, um, you said you kind of, you, you noted it means sort of gathering mind or concentrating mind. And you said um, that in your mind, you thought of it as as the opposite of that, or that being the opposite of what we often do, which is scattered mind. And I don't know if you, uh, if that's just a fortuitous good uh, intuition or something, but this is actually um, uh, sort of embedded in the Japanese language because the word for sashim is, as you pointed out, there's another word, um, shinpai, and shinpai literally means to distribute mind. But the, the nuance of that is fretting, worrying. So anyway, I just thought that I, I've always been struck by that. And I thought that was a really, uh, yeah, scattered mind. Exactly. Um, um, the other thing, uh, I just wanted to note, uh, in your bringing up Gary Snyder, um, you know, Zazen and cleaning the temple, there's a third part of that, uh, which he kind of opens it up and he says, but it's up to you to decide, you know, where the boundaries of the temple are. This is very important, at least for his presentation of Dharma. And I, I think it's right on. The, the third thing I wanted to note, um, you know, you were talking about the, the sort of dignity of the forms and, um, and, um, the forms as, Sort of implicit in that was, you know, the forms as uh, implicitly as being uh, enactment, uh, uh, doing something, being in a way in the world, as opposed to, you know, just thinking about something or thinking about what's going on in your head. It's how you actually appear in the world. And um, you talked about the sort of powerful experience you had of walking into a Zendo the first time. And, and witnessing that I can attest, you know, I, I've got like, I think that many people have this experience. And certainly I had this experience, uh, when I, my first inkling of Buddhism was being an anti-war demonstration when I was like 
16, 17, and uh, Vietnamese War, and find seeing a photograph of somebody who's passing out posters. Um, uh, uh, they had on this poster, they had the very famous photograph of the monk who, in protest, immolated himself. I'm digressing. Anyway, and, and then and then uh, uh, the Eightfold Path, and then a statement at the bottom by Shunri Suzuki, whom I never heard of, talking about, you know, uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but to be, you know, to burning yourself out completely, um, completely manifest in practice, all this kind of thing. And um, and then the second instance was when I actually was in Vietnam um, and um, and Thailand uh, as a guest of my father, who was living in those places, and um, just out of high school, um, and being up in the hills uh, someplace and encountering a group of maybe 20 Theravadan monks sitting under a tree in a big circle, discoursing. And I have to acknowledge I was, I was high. I, I had smoked some marijuana. Um, so I was maybe a bit more susceptible, but I just came across this scene and it just like, it just, it just knocked me out. It totally bowled me over. And it was from that point that, you know, within the next year, other things started to coalesce and it embarked me on practice. But that thing of, of just the power. Well, and, 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 and Dogan too, and Ehe, uh, 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 Shingi, um, is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, you know, he talks about, um, you know, the, uh, in some places, this may be a too strong a way to put it for most of us, but he, you know, he talks about, you know, awakening as dignified behavior, dignified comportment is how you are in the world. So anyway, I just wanted to, um, follow up on that and thank you again for your for your talk thank you yeah i know i know the rest of that gary snyder uh quote i i always think he he means we should go out and clean up all the messes in the world <laughs> but it seemed like a digression for this talk so i left that part off okay. other comments Douglas, you've unmuted yourself. Are you? You have something to offer? Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciated your talk. Um, with the emphasis on the forms, um, I think the forms are have a couple of functions, several fun, any number of functions, but two of the important ones I think are sort of to remind us that our entire life and our Zen practice is embodied activity. It's not something we do with our minds. It's our minds and our bodies, which are not separate. Um, and um, the forms are something we do together uh, to remind us of that connection that we are doing things together. And it's a challenge when in a hybrid program, when there are people in a room together and other people online, but um Jerry, as you know, and I have talked about, maybe it's a discussion to have at the next practice council meeting of how can we bring that experience of actually doing the forms and doing the forms with the people in the Zendo to the people who are on Zoom. Certainly other places, uh, Milwaukee Zen Center, I, that I know of, Milwaukee Zen Center and San Francisco Zen Center, people on Zoom 
participate in the service as if they were in the room. So they they do the bows and they join the chanting and so on as if they were present. And I think that that would be one example of something worth talking about at the in the practice council as a way of um, recreating. I mean, we in a, we are not truly separate, but it there it would il- help to illustrate the fact that we are connected in a better way. Um, if we were all doing the same thing, it might require changing our standard in-person Zendo forms some, but I think that people on Zoom could participate in those physical forms uh, more than is made available now. And that would and that would require a certain amount of training by the Eno and other people. Uh, but it wouldn't take a lot. And I think people would figure it out pretty quickly. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Joe, are you looking to unmute yourself? I see you. Not necessarily, although, um, you know, uh, I, I, my, I have been thinking, uh, danger, dangerous thing. I know, (laughs) um, I'm, I, I guess I'm, uh, um, I'm glad to say I'm a member of some younger generation. I can't often say that anymore, but I, I'm, I, I guess I'm probably the, the newest regular attendee of, of, uh, uh, ancient dragon. And, uh, so this is, thank you. Uh, it's been about a year, and um, and I, all I know is is uh, Zoom Zendo. I've never mm-hmm. experienced uh, Buddhism or Zen uh, um, any other way except you know through reading, and um, so I, I I guess it's kind of a tautological statement, but I really I don't miss the in person. <laughs> Uh, liturgy. I mean, I use the, I'm going to use the Catholic term because I'm used to it, uh, because I've never experienced it. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, um, I don't know what it would mean to me. It's kind of a hypothetical at this point. Um, I'm, I feel satisfied by my experience on Zoom. Um, I, I, I do feel that, um, my Zazen, uh, uh, experience in concert with everyone else's uh, is uh, a- a- awakening, uh, and I, I don't know how much um, ritual would add to the uh, experience for me. Um, I spent several years in Catholic school, and I uh, was a uh, I experimented with um, paganism for a number of years, and so I'm not unfamiliar with uh, ritual, certainly. But the, I, I don't want to sound like an apostate when I say that um, sometimes ritual is awakening, um, or sometimes it's an effort toward awakening, and sometimes it's something else. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I don't know whether um, I just I'm not saying it would or it wouldn't add to my experience. I, I really I really don't know. I'm comfortable sitting in my own crib and in my own. Uh, uh, office max chair, uh, and, and I got, I've got my own, uh, altar with my own eccentric arrangements. And I'm comfortable with that. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't, um, 
there's something in me that that uh, I, I mean, I, if I were to try it, I think I could get with the program. But there's something just thinking about it that, that brings forth some resistance. Um, for for example, someone mentioned look, looking at the phone during the Dharma talk. Well, sometimes I do that. I'll pick up the phone to figure out what if there's a word I don't understand, I'll look it up. Mm-hmm. Or if there's a concept I you know um, I don't understand. So I I think it's um, it's it's there's such a thing as, as too much rigor when it comes to ritual. But at some point, I may feel that, uh, as though I want to I want to try it. Right now, I don't know. Uh, thank you for that. And um, it's great to have you on Zoom and, uh, you know, try things and see what works for you. You might be one of the people that... Uh, if we have a session, you want to show up and see what it's all about. <laughs> Maybe so. Are there other comments? I'm going to check my phone for time. Maybe time. It's 8.38. Ah, I see David has raised his hand. You're still muted. You're you're muted. The Luddite Luddite survives. (laughs) Uh, It's interesting you mentioned about forms. um, Online and in the Zendo. And how I am just so much more observant of forms in the Zendo than I am at home. I come home. My desk is awash with papers and stuff scattered about, which uh, now I'm going to take a look at what does that mean in my life and how am I, how is it helping Zen, (laughs) my Zen mind? Um, Am I just cluttering my mind like I'm cluttering my desk? Whereas if I come to the Zendo, everything's neat and clean. (laughs) And there's a difference. Um, and it just just struck me, you know, when Joe was talking about how I just plop my computer on on the on the you know the placemat I have on my table and start instead of am I honoring the space? Am I taking away the water bottle and my my uh, COVID test kits and my my Franklin planner and everything? You know, I don't do that. I just plop the computer down and and here I go. And so thank you, Joe. And thank you, Gyoshin, for reminding me of something about respecting and honoring what we do and the forms that we have. So I greatly appreciate your comment, Joe. It kind of sparked in me. And thank you, Gyoshin, for bringing up the subject. I I just wanted to say that um, I've always found the forms to be very beautiful. And, um, and I can see that since I've been sitting at home in a zoom situation that I sort of, uh, you know, for myself, like approaching my cushion or putting on my rakasu that I sort of like do it half and half, you know, like in terms of 
forms. And it's something that I've been aware of, but I've not necessarily changed. And so I think just, you know, even Jerry's reminder about, you know, I feel pretty present for the whole like hour and a half that we're together, you know, for the, for the Dharma talk and the conversation and everything. But um, for me, I feel like since this is what I have, you know, like with you as a Sangha, like that, I, I, I want to treat it, I think in a, uh, I mean, I won't use the like word better, but just um, I want to go back to what I know of the forms, you know, and, um, and yeah, it's, it's distracting seeing at home. Sometimes my two main distractions are my two cats. Um, (laughs) My partner knows like when I'm sitting, you know, just to kind of leave me alone, but my cats don't understand what I'm doing. And so I have this, I've, sort of, I sit in front of the sliding glass doors that go out to the courtyard because my cats like to go in and out. And so, and I have this question, like, do I, my cat is whining while I'm sitting, (laughs) do I just sit with the whining or do I just take a second out of my zazen and just like open the door real fast and close it. But it's um, maybe I, I may need to go in a room where I can shut multiple doors, you know, against them. But anyway, it's, um, it's been very helpful to to hear your talk tonight and, and to talk about these things. So again, thank you. Where are you, Amina? I don't know where you live. I'm in Los Angeles. Ah, yeah, that's not very convenient. Yeah. <laughs> for, for... <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Sashins, I mean, I have thought that at some point it would be nice to come back to Chicago for a visit and do a sashin, you know, with everyone. I'm not really traveling much at the moment, except to see family, you know, with the pandemic, but I would, I would like to sit with everyone in person. Nice to meet you. Are there other, other comments? Yeah. If I may, just one more comment, uh, just very quickly. The one thing I do like about being, at home is now when you're sitting in a temple, you're supposed to be sitting during Dharma talk. And I am not an auditory learner. I am a visual and kinesthetic learner. That's my, the way I learn best. And what I love about being at home, the one thing I like, is like I have a little notepad next to my, you know, next to the computer. And when you say things, you know, I've written down things that you said that, I can remember and I could see them. And so now I, I can retain them better because if I just listen, you know, it goes in literally one ear and out the other. And, but by being at home and taking notes, I get a chance to review it later on, even though I can go on and listen again when there's a recording of the, of the, of the Dharma talk. But for me, it's much better to actually start writing and putting, doing notes yet in the, in the Zendo, that would be, you know, I think a faux pas, if I may, to, to sit there and be taking notes while someone's speaking. Um, it's just one, that's a little joy that I get out of being at home. Well, I, I do think that the fact that Dharma talks or practice talks are recorded and offered to people who are not available during the Um, time that they're actually um, live is a big plus. I have no idea if a lot of people are listening to them. I know that, um, that I do. Oh, Joe does good. Um, 
but um, that that hasn't been the case uh, in the past. So that may be uh, one of the big benefits of of uh, this hybrid situation. Um, if there are uh, not other comments, I believe we'll do the four vows before announcements, correct? Or do we not do four vows? Yes, we do four vows, good. <laughs> yes, I will, I will pull them up for us to see and chant together. Beings are numberless, I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable, I vow to realize it. Beings are numberless. I vow to free them. Illusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to realize it. Beings are numberless. I vow to free them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to realize it. 